just, you need to get to know the people next to you. You're going to need them in the days ahead, I'm telling you. If you don't press into Christ, you're going to need each other. We're going to need to press in now like never before. The world's getting darker. It's going to get more difficult, more confusing, and you're going to need people. Whether you think you need people or not, God created a body, and he created us to be together, and you're going to need each other. And I'll tell you a prime example of that was uh, Cole was here uh, cleaning the church, he and Aubrey, uh, this, this, uh, just a couple of days ago, and uh, he called me and he said, Dad, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, out here at Sharon Heights and... Uh, I just tried to jack up the car and the jack uh, to put on a new tire because the tire's flat and the jack broke. It fell over and broke. And uh, he said, I said, oh, man. Uh, and I was kind of tied up at the moment. I was, I was panicking. All right, I'm going to drop everything in the McCone. I'm like, but man, by the time it's going to take me a long time to get there and all of that. And so the first thing the Lord did was put, put uh, Phil Dean on my heart or, and, and, or Marcy's one. And uh, I said, I knew, you know what? We're going to call Phil Dean. And we called Phil Dean, and Phil Dean was like, I'm on it. And he was gone in two seconds flat, up with a jack, helped Cole get, get the tire off, get the other tire on. Had a, fortunately, the spare was broke as well, or was uh, flat as well. He, had, he pumped it up and, uh, and got them on their way. And that's why you need each other, folks. We need each other. We need, we need to know who the car guy is in the room. We need to know who the, who the mechanic is. We need to know who the, who the nurse is. We need to know who the people are that we can call on each other when we're going through things and say, hey, I got a question for you. I need you. I need help. And I'm telling you, this is our family. These are our mothers and brothers and sisters. Amen. Those who deal the will of God. I'm going to tell you what, your own flesh and blood family you're going to find out in the days ahead if they're not in Christ it's going to, there's going to be a division of belief and unbelief amen and there's already these things going on in the world so so please I can't tell you the value of God's brothers uh, of, of our brothers and sisters in this this church for one another and I know you all know that and you already believe that and you already do that but it's going to become vital and valuable in the days ahead you see it in the book of Acts when persecution broke up out uh, they, they they began to have to sell their extra stuff and bring it together for one another because that's how hard the times and difficult the times. They needed each other. And I believe we're headed into a world where there's shortages of gas. There's shortages of this. The economies are shaking. We're going to need each other. We're going to need each other. And I'm going to need you. You're going to need me. People around the world, I had a call this week. Uh, I hate to just be going so long rambling, but I had a call this week from a brother, a missionary. Our friend, Brother Crowder, called me and said, I, I've got a need, and, and, and I, I need to call on the church. And he said, uh, uh, the people in Honduras are suffering immensely. And he said, the school that we're involved in, is uh, they, they've just been going through it. The government has shut them down and uh, not letting the kids go, and, and they're just suffering, suffering bad. And, uh, and he said, uh, they, he said I, I, I don't know what to do. They just need help. And I said, we're on it. We're on it. We're, we're sending you a check. And the next day, Patty sent a check to them uh, from you guys. Thank you for your giving. And we, we wanted, you know, so, so we, we, God's faithful with his brothers and sisters. Not just here, it's around the world where people are needing help and needing each other. So pray for Honduras. In fact, let's, before we move over in the, in the next half uh, of the message, let, let's take a time right now. We'll pray for Moldova and Romania and Honduras and, and the people around the world that we're connected with Africa. But 
also, let's pray for, most of all, right now, Jerusalem. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Folks, if you, I, I've been troubled. I almost changed my message uh, because it, it, I hope you know uh, that if you're a believer, Israel has a special place in God's heart. God has not done away with his people. Read Romans 11. He has not done away with his natural uh, people, Israel, folks. We are to be indebted to them forever, for salvation has come through, uh, through, through the Jewish people. Our Bible came through Jewish people. Our uh, Savior was a Jewish carpenter. Uh, so so uh, we are indebted. We are grafted into this. Because of their rejection of the gospel, we are invited into the gospel. And when the time of the Gentiles, which I think is very, very soon and short, it, salvation will go back and the Jewish people's eyes will be open and they will recognize the one uh, whom, whom they pierced and, and they will believe. And so, and this is already happening. People are being saved uh, all over. And so, uh, but, but we need to pray and uphold Jerusalem. They just got bombarded with rockets. And, and I'm going to tell you what, if you're watching the regular news, just like everything else, it's just more propaganda and more lies. You need to find a good news source. If you want good news, you need to go straight to like the IDF uh, and, and Amir Safadi and other people out there that, are, that can give you, uh, that are over there, that, are, that, that, are, that are, uh, can give you actual facts of what's taking place. Uh, the news is painting pictures like uh, that you're going to see pressure. They're meeting today in the UN and you're going to see pressure coming on Israel uh, big time. But I'm going to tell you what, they're just, do- and, and woe to America if we put pressure on them uh, to tell them what to do. If we had, li- if, 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 like Dan Daniel said, if Mississippi started lobbing missiles into Alabama and, and, uh, and, and all of a sudden we, we, you know, somebody stopped telling Alabama to defend itself, we got a real problem, amen? And so woe to America if we stop. We have stopped them every time they've had the ability to go in and stop the rat's nest and stop the, the situation. Every, almost every time America's gone in and said, stop, 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 that's enough. And, and we've, we always hold their hands back from, from doing what they need to do. And so we need to stand and pray for even our own country because I'm going to tell you, Jerusalem, the Bible says, will become a burdensome stone. And anyone that tries to lift that stone or to deal with it and to do, uh, apart from God is going to be cut to pieces. And so we need to be careful. We need to be careful how we handle this. And we need to pray for our own nation to, to, to stand beside Israel. Has there, Israel, have the Jewish people always done and Israel always done right and the right thing? No. But, 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 uh, but we need to... But, 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 but we know what the Word of God says about this nation. And so we stand with them and we stand beside them. And on the other side, we know that there are innocent Palestinians and there are innocent people on other sides of the coin that we need to pray for their salvation as well. And Arabs that, uh, that, that, are, that are bystanders and innocents in, in this thing. And we need to pray for them as well that, that God would, uh, would, would, would intervene quickly in this fight and in this battle. So let's pray right now for Israel and let's pray for the world and then we'll go to the Word of God. Father, we pray for Israel. We pray, God, right now, God, for uh, uh, the, the, the IDF soldiers. We pray, God, for families, God, like the family I saw yesterday on a video was sitting at their Shabbat uh, 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 dinner there just, and, and all of a sudden the wall of their building explodes. And, and, and Father, they're just, uh, they're, uh, just, sirens are going off and they just have a split second to get to a, to a place to find shelter, God. Lord, I think about Corey Tim Boom. Uh, you told her when she was in that concert 
concentration camp, you are her shelter. And I just pray you would be their shelter. I thank God that you are the God uh, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I thank God you are the God who watches over Israel and you never sleep nor slumber, God. I thank you, God, that you are, that you are there, God, fighting for, uh, their battles, God, that you are there with them, Father. You, you miraculously brought them through, God, the, uh, the, the, in 1948, God. You established a nation. Can a nation be born in a day? Absolutely, because God can do the miraculous. And then, Lord, in 67, when they recaptured other territories, God, you were there, and you gave them the power, and you gave them the grace, and you gave them the ability to do what they've done. It was an impossibility, God, that they pushed back people that were coming in to take them and, and, and to just to overrun them and try to push them into the sea. But to, you rose up and defended them, God. And we're so grateful, God, that you, that you uh, watch over this land. We thank you, God, for, for because of them we have, God, our Bible. Because of them we have salvation, God. Because of them, Lord, that, that's the nation, God, that you established to bring forth the Savior of the world. And we're grateful. We're indebted to that, God. I pray that, Lord, we would live such a way that we would cause them to be jealous, God. Yearn to jealousy, uh, for, to, to, to want to know the Savior and the Messiah, God. I pray, God, that you would bring salvation to that part of the world, to both Jew and Arab, God, that they would know Christ as Lord and Savior, God. These, these, these uh, relatives of each other, that one day you would bring peace into this land, God, that you would bring lasting peace, God. We know that it's only when the Prince of Peace comes that there will be lasting peace in this land, God. And so, Lord, we pray for Israel. We pray for Jerusalem, God. Lord, this is a serious thing that's going on now. God, the world is shaking, and it's, and it's, and it's, uh, uh, it's being changed, God, everywhere. We're entering in days like you spoke about in the Word of God. But, Lord, we as believers, we are not in fear, God. You told us about these times, and we trust you, God. And we know that Messiah is coming again soon. And, God, we want to be faithful, God, to tell others about you because we know that soon and very soon, God, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a, with, a, with a shout in the voice of an archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ will raise first and those which are dead, uh, those which are alive and remain will be caught up in the clouds to be with the Lord forever and ever. And God, we're longing for those days, God. Let the church be strong. Let the church be powerful, God. Lord, Israel just started the feast of Pentecost, God. Lord, the outpouring of the Spirit, the coming of the Word of God, Lord, that can now be written in our hearts now, the law written in the tables of stone on our heart, God, and on the flesh of our heart, and we're so grateful for that, God. Lord, send your Spirit, pour it out one more time, like you so said in the book of Joel, God, that in the last days you'll pour out your Spirit, God, and Lord, people will prophesy, and you'll pour it out on all flesh, and those who call on the name of the Lord can be saved, God. Lord, let people begin to call on the name of Jesus and be saved, God. Let them know that you are King of kings and Lord of lords, and you want to save them. And Father, we pray for Honduras. We pray for those in need, God. We pray, God, for those in, in, in every nation around the world, God. We pray. We pray for our friends in Moldova and Romania, God. Those who are struggling so hard in difficult times, bless them and help them, God. You're the same, God, to yesterday, today, and forever, God, and you're with with them, Lord. We thank God for that. You are here with us and you are there with them. And we just praise you and we thank you for it. Bless us, Lord, and speak to, to us through the Word of God today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen and amen. Hallelujah. I want to talk about today 
took uh, this title from uh, someone else because it was so good. Uh, the Ninth Blood Group. The Ninth Blood Group. You know, the Bible says in Galatians 2.20, it says, It's no longer I, but it's Christ. It's no longer I who live. I'm reading a book by Watchman Nee called The Normal Christian. And, and, and the normal Christian, that's how the normal Christian lives. It's no longer I who lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. That should be the, the normal Christian life. We talked about self. And if you didn't hear that message last week, you need to go home and you need to listen. Pull it up and listen to that message. In fact, if you heard it, you probably need to listen to it again and again and again. Because ever since uh, we were duped in the garden, we have, been, uh, we have had this issue of self going on. That we want to self-govern our life. We want to, we want to uh, be in charge of our own destiny. We want to chart our own course. We want to live the way that we want to live. And when Christ comes, the Bible tells us it's no longer us. He deals with that old man. He deals with that self-life. He takes it out of the way by nailing it to the cross. And now he, he substitutes that life with the life of Christ. And that's what Paul is talking about here. It guarantees, you know, salvation guarantees the forgiveness of sin. And a lot of times we focus on the forgiveness aspect, which, which we're going to talk about a lot today in the blood. But not only that, we, we don't often preach about the deliverance aspect. That, that God not only forgave and he, de- and he dealt with the sins of mankind through the blood. It, you know, when I see the blood, Daniel, I'll pass over you. It's not that it was the blood that was so valuable. It's the blood that appeased God. That's the value. If you want to know, it's not, it's not you fixing your sin or doing this. It's the blood. When I see the blood, it's the blood of a sinless perfect sacrifice that's the power when I see the blood then I will pass over your sins I'll be satisfied so the blood deals with everything we've done in the past it deals with our sins that we've committed but there's something greater here as well and that's where the cross comes in the cross deals with the fact of of, of the sin nature it deals with the fact that I am a sinner that I am not just I committed some sins I'm a sinner I'm a sinner, folks. You know what? We sinned in Adam. That's the problem, Raymond. It goes far worse than the fact that you've just committed sin. The fact is, you were in Adam when Adam sinned. And because of that, you say, I don't get that. How can that be? Well, the fact is that, just take it like this. If your grandfather had died years ago, you wouldn't be here today, would you? Because why? You were in him. And so when he died, everything stopped. And, and that's the same of us with the, us in Adam. We were all in Adam. We were in Adam when he sinned. The whole human race is represented by Adam. We were in him. And folks, I'm telling you that when Adam sinned, we sinned. And that sin nature was passed on to us. We are born with a sin nature. We're born with this thing and this problem. And the cross deals with what we are. That's why man wants to bypass the cross. There's no Christianity with keeping you. You've got to lose your life in order to gain his and that's where the blood deals with what we've done we've sinned but the cross deals with what we are we are sinners and he has to crucify the old man and 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 so and 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 deal with it the blood is valuable in that it satisfies his own righteousness and and it's precious because he says so 
because, G- because God says so, and the flesh is too bad to be cleansed, so it has to be religion doesn't deal with the flesh and say the flesh has to be done away. What does religion do? Religion puts nice robes on it, puts nice phylacteries down and tassels down and brags on itself and picks it and, and cleans itself off a little bit and says, look what I've done. I, at least I don't do this. At least I don't do that. I overcame sin. I overcame that. It begins to make pride of itself. And, and, and so the cross comes to a place where it deals with that old man. And, it, and so we've got to get the cross back in churches. We've got to get the cross back in our messages. We've got to get the cross back in the gospel rather than these self-help, pick yourself up and make you look better. Amen? No, you die and let Christ live. Amen? Hallelujah. We've, we've replaced the gospel. But today I want to talk about the ninth blood group. The ninth blood group. And you'll understand where I'm going with that in a moment. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Luke 22. Chapter 20, and I, I just can't get off the covenants yet. I'm sorry. I'm just going to pound them and obey God until he says stop. I've got a couple more on these, and then we'll move to something else. But I want this to get into you. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This is the cup. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. Now, I want to slow that down. Because I think we, we just read over that so quickly that we don't get the enormity of what that statement is saying. Jesus is at the Last Supper. He's instituting this new covenant. And here he says, likewise, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you. It's enormous what he's saying here. I don't, we don't get it when we often come into Christianity right away. And I know the disciples didn't get the enormity of what was being said at that Last Supper either. I know it had to take time to sink in. I know it had to take the coming of the Holy Spirit to come and, 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 uh, and to be shed abroad in their heart and to begin to rem- bring some of these things of Christ to the remembrance and begin to show them. You know, when the Spirit comes, He'll show you the things to come. He'll lead you and guide you into all truths. He'll make these things known to you, these mysteries and these things that Christ said. He'll, he'll show them to us. And, and so I know it took a little while to sink in what that statement it was really saying and what it really meant. But I'm telling you today, if you can, this is why I keep just going over this and over this and over this because I'm trying to get it into my own belief system and I want to get it into yours. If you can truly believe what Christ is doing in these covenant, in this covenant, if you can truly understand what Christ is saying, it is going to be so freeing and so liberating for your life. You, it's just going to blow you away at how, how free you're going to become in Christ Jesus. Amen. And so he took the cup after supper, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant. Now, we all come into Christianity with all kinds of lens that we come into Christianity with. We, 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 we come in with, with this lens of what we think is morally right, right? 
We got people in here, we're fighting about this being morally right and this being more. No, and we're pushing our causes and all this. And all the time, a lot of times we come in thinking certain things are morally right and what we believe that God looks like and we start doing all of that. What we believe sin looks like, what we believe righteousness looks like, what we believe judgment looks like, forgiveness and all these ideas that we have and theories of our lenses. And we don't look at it through the lens of the new covenant. We often look at it through the lens of our past experiences. We look at it at the lens of our religious background or what denomination we came from and what bent they pushed and that sort of thing. And before long, we often look to it through those experiences, through those religious backgrounds. For instance, if you came from a very legalistic background, then all of a sudden you're looking at it through a legalistic eyes. If you came through it through a, a licentious background, then uh, of just greasy grace where where uh, uh, or, or antinomianism where, where you can just uh, where, where because of you believe because of grace now I can just go out and sin and do whatever I want to do and so you come in with that kind of lens and with that kind of leaning very liberal very conservative all these types of things and, and so what you've got to do though sadly is when we come into Christianity we've got to get the lens right and we've got to get the lens of the new covenant on our eyes amen we got to get the lens of the new covenant so we can understand just what has been accomplished at Calvary. Now the Bible speaks, and we've been talking about this since the first of the year, the Bible speaks about covenant. All through the Word of God, over and over and over again, you see the word covenant everywhere. In fact, if you got a Bible that now we break up into sections and chapters and verses, and even in the middle we break up Old Testament and New Testament. Old covenant and New covenant. So we have this even everywhere in the Bible. There were seven main covenants that we studied. We studied the Adamic covenant. We studied the Abrahamic covenant. We studied the Noahic covenant. We studied the Mosaic covenant. We studied the Levitical covenant and the Davidic covenant. And then we came into what we call the new covenant or the Christic covenant. And it's something that is new, something that is different, he says. And, and, and it's just amazing. Now, we learned that every covenant has obligations. They all have obligations. If you go back and study them, it puts something on you or me or the people involved in that covenant to perform. If we come into covenant together, there's something you got to do. You have an obligation, Mark. I have an obligation of something that I've got to do to uphold, uphold our agreement. It's a contract. It's an agreement between two parties. You hold up your end. I hold up my end. And that's what it is. And it's serious ramifications in the Bible. Binding agreements between two parties. Sadly, we've lost that in America and in our Christianity because one of the greatest covenants uh, that, that we had at one time was called the covenant of marriage. And it was serious. And it was done with blood. And it had an agreement called till death do us part. Right? And we didn't break those things so easily because we knew what covenant was and we knew it was a binding agreement between two parties and we knew that it came with blood which is the word for covenant in the Old Testament barit which denotes the shedding of blood or the cutting of a contract the American Indians had what we did probably as little kids sometimes we cut ourselves shake a hand and we become what? 
blood brothers. We seal it in blood. Now, I was always scared to cut myself, so we didn't have too many blood brothers in Concord. But I remember the, the fascination with it. You know, you're going to have a club, and you're going to have all these little things going on, and you're going you're gonna to cut, you're going you're gonna to be blood. That's where this comes from. That, that's where this goes back to. It, it, it's, uh, it, it's, it's no light arrangement. You break the blood. You break it. Blood is shed. You, 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 it's, it's serious. And, and so at the resurrection is the birth of the new covenant. What we just celebrated in the death, burial, and resurrection, Jesus is establishing something new. The old is about to be relegated and something new is coming into play right here. He's doing something. And at the last supper, he sits down with his disciples because when you cut a covenant, you after you cut the covenant, you sit down and you have a celebratory meal. So he's sitting with his disciples and he's about to have a celebratory meal. This is the terms of the covenant. This is about what is about to happen. Something new. We're going to sit down and we're going to celebrate what is coming. The birth of the new covenant. And at Pentecost came the birth of something else. The birth of a new church. Yes. Something new is happening. Something new is taking place. And the old covenant is fading away. And so much so, folks, that after A.D. 70, just as little of a time, you just read it. If you're doing your Bible reading, I hope you're still doing your Bible reading. We just finished the book of Matthew, going into the book of Romans. If you haven't, just... Push that aside and start in the book of Romans this week. But we read Matthew 24, and they're looking down on the temple. When will the coming of the Lord be? When are you going to bring in the kingdom? When are you going to do all these things? That's not for you to know. But my Father in heaven, He knows all this. He knows the times and seasons and when all this is about to happen. But I tell you something, not one stone on this building that you're looking at will not be thrown down. It's coming down. That building... This is coming down. And folks, by AD 70, all semblance of the old covenant is gone. Their temple's gone. Their sacrificial system is gone. And now what is left is the same thing left on the mountain of transfiguration. This is my son. Hear him. In him I'm well pleased. Even the visuals are gone. Just a short time later, it's passing away. And there's something new that is being instituted, folks. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. And the old things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. The only things that remained are the teachings of Christ. What a transition is taking place. What a transition is happening at this place. This new covenant, it becomes a threat to the old covenant. Right? That's what begins to happen. If you've been a good Jew all your life, a Jewish person, and you've been following the old covenant, and you've had all these laws and all these things of a way to please and satisfy uh, God, then all of a sudden Jesus comes, He institutes something new, and it's a clash to the old. It's, it's just absolutely got to be, just like I said, coming in with the lens, the right lens. Now all of a sudden they're coming in, hey, with all their traditions. No, salvation can't be that. It has to be that plus circumcision. 
It has to be this plus that. And they begin to heap all this, all this uh, uh, stuff from their past into this. And, that's, and, and so everything he is doing right now is challenging the Jewish thinking and the Jewish mind. And that's exactly uh, what began to take place uh, when he's doing that. He, his miracles are testifying to his authenticity of who he was. His presence is challenging the atmosphere. Chatter is going all throughout Jerusalem. It's, uh, it's going all throughout Nazareth and other places. Hey, I heard he fed uh, thousands. I heard he raised a woman's son just uh, when he was dead and in the coffin. I heard that this and that happened. I heard, hey, well, even a man, uh, one of our own, Jairus, he's a man of integrity. He wouldn't lie. He's part of the synagogue. I heard him say that his daughter died and this man brought his daughter back to life again. This is the covenant. In my blood. Now, the reason this title is so intriguing is because there's only eight blood groups. Those eight blood groups, you know them, A, a negative, A positive, B negative, B positive, A, B negative, A, B positive, O negative, O positive, which gives you eight. And about 40 years ago, or I'm not exactly sure, but they determined that it's by the genetics of the father that these blood groups are determined. And it gets you thinking, doesn't it? I heard this from another pastor, and it, just, it is intriguing. He said, Jesus didn't have an earthly father, so I wonder what blood group he had. Maybe that ninth blood group. Maybe that perfect blood group. That spotless blood group. That's able to wash humanity's sins away and to cover our iniquities and our transgressions and our filth and our stench and our and our uh, God's blood. Listen to what Acts 20 and 28 says. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. He purchased it with his own blood, the blood of the Father. Is flowing and coursing now, and the blood of bulls and goats can never take away our sins. But something peculiar happened on the cross, something took place on that cross, something was enacted in that covenant that was so valuable that it can walk. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus, precious blood, the blood that flows from a man. Emmanuel's veins, amen, hallelujah, that we won't preach anymore, that we rip out of our hymn books, that we don't want to sing about anymore, it's precious blood, it's amazing blood, it's the blood that purchased the church of Jesus Christ and you and me, amen, it's God's blood and you have a covenant agreement and as I said, at a covenant when it was enacted, you were to sit down and you were to celebrate like Jacob when he worked for seven years for, for Leah and he has a big meal to enact the covenant. And, and we see it over and over in the Word of God. And here we are at the Lord's table with the disciples. And it's a table where we are in remembrance the old communion tables and we have them in a lot of our church. And it says these words, this do in remembrance of me. 
Because it's a place where you remember we sit down at at the table and we're celebrating something that was done on our behalf by the Father and the Son. We're, We're seeing this. We're celebrating with God the terms of the contract. That's what we're doing when we come to the table of the Lord. We're sitting there. We're thinking about the covenant. We're thinking about what was enacted and the terms of that agreement that went, went, that took place there. We're sitting there and saying, this blood was so precious that was spilled from my Savior. This blood is so amazing. It's the blood of the new covenant. What is the new covenant? We've been studying the new covenant over and over and over so we can know it's a covenant that Jesus came, the second Adam, and He did what we could not do so that we could have access to God. Amen? We're celebrating something. That's why in communion we need to do it more often and we need to do it together and we need to do it often is because we come together, we're sitting at the Lord's table and we're discerning what the bread and the wine truly represent. It represents the new covenant, folks. Not just thinking about what took place that one day on that cross, but what it truly represents for us. It's the enactment of the new covenant, a new way to God, and there's something that has eternal value in what was done there. It wasn't the blood of bulls and goats being shed over and over and over that we're celebrating. It wasn't that Jesus was going to go to the cross and He'd have to go to the cross again and again and again and again. No, it is something enacted that day that has eternal value because of that right there. Brad Lindsay can be forgiven forever and I can have access to God forever. More powerful than the blood of bulls and goats. Power to absolve. Power to purge. Power to impute righteousness. Power to remove sin. Power to protect. Just look at the Passover. Power to protect. The blood. The blood. To cover you and to help you walk in boldness. It's a solemn time. It's a sobering time. It's a time for us to sit at the Lord's table and remember what we're celebrating in the new covenant. That something enormous is going on here. This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, which was shed for you. That's what this is. You got to think about it. You got to you got to ponder it. You got to understand it. You, you when I came into Christianity, I didn't understand the merits of that. We sing about the blood. We talk about the blood. We we preach about the blood, but I didn't truly understand the, 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 the power of the blood, how far-reaching the blood is. Amen? We sang the song, it reaches to the highest mountain and it flows to the lowest valley, but I didn't really understand. Just The Holy Spirit had not just made me truly have the revelation that I needed to understand. Folks, when you truly, truly get the revelation from God, your life will be changed. Amen? And you'll walk in freedom. It's it's life-changing. It's life-changing. 
the Holy Spirit who lives in us comes and brings uh, us on a journey to explore what these things mean. That's why we come to Bible studies. That's why, that's why we read the Word of God at home. That's why we seek the Lord. That's why, because He wants to take you on a journey and just keep unveiling the covenant to you and showing you the riches of the grace of Jesus Christ and to show you more and more and more this joy and freedom that comes in knowing Christ and knowing him, receiving him, just what was done for you in the covenant and what's taking place. The new covenant tells me I belong to Jesus. Amen. I heard a, I heard a pastor say uh, one time that, that uh, his sons were talking about uh, their house and he said, who owns this house? And they said, you do that. And he said, nope, God does. And because God owns it, nobody can get in here without God allowing them to get in here. And I'm tell you what, God owns this now. I ask God to forgive me. I ask God to cleanse me. I ask God to come into my life and to save me. He sent His Spirit into my heart and into my life. He put in old things away and put new things in me. God owns this. God owns this now. No devil in hell can get in here. Amen. God's the owner of my life. Amen. And when he says new, it means the other is relegated. Now, God made a covenant with Adam, and we've talked about this, and I'll go quick. But in Hosea 6 and 8, that's how we know about the Adamic covenant. Because it says, but they, like Adam, have broken your covenant and were unfaithful to you. It never uses the word covenant in Genesis, but, it, but, it, but, but in Hosea, it refers back and says, they, like Adam, have broken your covenant and were unfaithful to you. So in the garden, there was this covenant of works that we looked at with our first covenant. Adam was in contract with God, and we know the agreement. Hey, there's, there's two main trees here, and you can have all the garden, but... If you eat of this one, if you, if you partake of this one, this, this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, if, if, you don't, if, if, if you don't become self-determined and use your own intelligence, then you'll be okay. But once you become self-determined and you begin to say, I want to be like God, or I can do this by myself, or I can make it on my own, or I can think outside of the parameters of this book, then you're in trouble. And that's what Satan came in and did. He he convinced them you can be better than what you are. You need to be better with them what you are. You're not good enough the way God created you. You can be like God. You can know good and evil. And so he, so he convinced them that they needed to be better than what they were. And Adam, we know that he filled them with self, folks, the self-life. And that's what we talked about last week. The most dangerous thing in the face of the earth, that self-life, that self-determination, that selfish ambition, that self-righteousness, that self-self-self. And Adam partook of it and filled his entire species with belief in self. I can do it. I can do it. I can find my way back to God. I can, I can make God happy. I can do a few things and check them off my bucket list and make God pleased with me. I can, I can, I can. Uh, we, we know better through science. Did, did, God, did God really say that, that, that He created in the beginning was God? And, and, and in the beginning, uh, well, you know, uh, let there be light? No, 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 no. We as man, science knows better. We, evolution, evolution. 
evolution is a better plan. And, 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 and so through science and education and knowledge, those things, if we can just study them out enough, they will make us better. And folks, we've created some of the greatest fools on the face of the earth. And I say that term because the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And they are in our colleges. They are in our seminaries. They're in our universities. They're in our corporations. They are everywhere. They think they know better than God. They think they know a better way to things from God. And folks, that's why we're in the mess that we're in today. And we know what happened. As I said, Adam took, he fulfilled, filled them with their own idea of self-importance. And that's the hardest job for a pastor. Is to convince man and woman of their need to be saved. Because I'm not really that bad. And because my sin is now a disease. I can be as mean as I want as a snake. But it's because I'm depressed. And my doctors label me. Now you may be depressed, but you don't have a right to be mean as a snake to anybody. And see, the covenants and all of this came in because self had to die. Self had to die. If you're going to be saved and you're going to know Christ and you're going to walk with God, this selfish new Adam has to die. It has to die. The old man has to be dealt with. It has to come to terms with itself. And it has to be sent to the cross with Christ. Just like we were in Adam, we have to be in Christ, crucified, nailed to the cross, buried with Him, dead with Him, and raised to new life with Him. Amen? Amen. And so the covenants are designed to do this. They're designed to come in and show us that, that, uh, that, that, that this has to die. That we have to die to self. Because self keeps saying, I will ascend to the hill of the Lord. I will rehab myself. I'll get on there. Every covenant was about rehabbing of the self. And self could not be rehabilitated. Self had to die. And that's what the covenants are all about. They were to bring forth death in us. In the core of Adam and Eve, thank God. And we say this. I think Billy Graham and some others said there's this, 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 this uh, vacuum inside of us. There's this hole that can only be filled with God. There's this desire down in the core of man that somehow still wants God. But the problem is that we will never be satisfied till we bow our knee to God. Till we bow. That's the only time you're going to feel satisfied inside but the problem is the Adamic nature is always trying to say don't bow your knee to God try to build a better you and so every covenant man was saying give me a rule book and I'll keep it and that's about half the churches bring me in and tell me what I gotta do give me some rules and I'll follow them But see, the law is for those without grace. 
Because it's, it's the one to be a schoolmaster to bring you to Christ. It's the one that helps you uh, uh, kill the, uh, the, the old man. It's the one that shuts your mouth and makes you guilty before God. It's the one that when we say, I can, says, no, you can't. It's the one that, that, that by works of the law, no man shall be justified. How are we justified? We are justified by the blood of His Son. Amen? You put your faith in the blood of the Son. You put your faith in the works of, of you. I got news for you. It's going to be very bad on Judgment Day. You put your faith in the blood of the Son and you're justified. And in these covenants, man is endeavoring to, to, to breach the gap, believing he can. He can. And these, it's especially seen in the Mosaic Covenant. Because they were brought out of Egypt. Israel has been established as a nation. The, the plan was that the Savior of the world is going to come through the Judeus, Jewish lineage. They are going to become a microcosm for the world to see how salvation would come. To see how a holy God now interacts with his creation. And so what does Moses do? to enact this covenant he slaughters the calf and he sprinkles the blood on everything folks he sprinkles it on everything that's the enactment of the terms of the covenant he sprinkles it on the vestments of the tabernacle they sprinkle it on the priest they they they, uh, they sprinkle it to ratify the old covenant they sprinkle it on the elders and on that day the bible says when the people came out and they read the terms of the covenant the bible says that they, they the terms of the covenant were the ten commandments and they're thinking, oh good, great, a rule book. This is easy. We got this. We can do this. Sadly to say, when they couldn't hem in their own flesh and cause their flesh to do that, they created more and more and more and more until they got to 613 laws. Because that's what we do, right? Because good Phariseeism, uh, you know, we, we make laws easily that we can keep and boast around prideful about what we do. But then what do we do when we get one we can't do so well? Well, we need to get a rabbi committee together and we need to because it really didn't say that. Right? And so we, so, so we make it easier. We make it something else so that we can follow it so we look good. Right? And that's what we do. And so we create another law. We, we create, uh, you know, rather than just 10, we, we, we create something else. Well, murder really means this. And this one really means this. And Rabbi so-and-so said this. And so we get, we get all of these and it begins to grow, trying to, trying to get the flesh, trying to, 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 to get something to where we can puff up the flesh and, 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 and do really good. But folks, that, that's not exactly what these were meant to do. They were meant to come in and stop our mouths and present us guilty before God. But God brings the people, they read the terms, they all say, oh yes, we will do it. We want that. We run to that. Moses ratified. He comes out and the elders, I believe they spent a large part of the day because they had to sprinkle every person. Talking about 1.5 million people. They sprinkle the people to ratify. Blood has to be shed. Blood has to go everywhere to ratify this, co this, this covenant. And so all, all these, uh, this they're doing, and, and the Jews in their mastery of discipline ended up with 613 laws to box in every wrong manifestation of the human flesh. That's what they're doing. They're just absolutely doing that. When the human nature failed, make another rule to box in human failure. And 2,000 years of law. 
law go by and generation after generation fail and they all end up the same way because here's what we do and let me give you a little bit and I'll hurry but here's what we do don't we because I did this I was the best at this I said you know what my mom and dad missed it and if my mom and dad had raised me this way then I would have been a better person so you know what I'm not going to do that with my kids I will raise my kids a different way and so what did I do I set out to raise my kids a different way until I had kids and then I found out I'm no better than my father and my mother I'm just the same amen and then another generation comes along and they think we can do it better in the flesh we know better than our parents we will do it and so then they do it and they sat out on the course I'm not going to be like my parents they blame their parents my, I'm, I'm the way I am because of my parents they blame the group I'm the way I am because of the socio condition of the country and they begin to blame this group and that group and only to find out we are all the same we're no better than each other and we're no worse than each other the problem levels the playing field and we find out we have all come short of the glory of God so stop blaming somebody else you're in the way you are because of the decisions you made and that's what these covenants were bringing us down to because it caused them to keep thinking that we're better than the last generation. We can do it better and we will achieve it and, and we'll get it right. And all the covenants and all the law are to say, there's one that's going to get it right. There's one, the, there's one Adam that is going to come and he is going to fulfill the law perfectly on behalf of the human race. And in the fullness of time, Christ came into the world. At just the right time, he came into the world. And, that, and, and, and so the last question is, what is the implication of believing solely in Christ? What is the implication? If that's the case, turn with me to Zechariah, Zechariah 9.11. And we'll close with this. Here's a glimpse of the implication of Christ. This is awesome. Listen to what it says. Because of the blood of your covenant, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. That's the implication of you believing in Christ. If you believe in Christ and everything he's done on Calvary, the Bible says if you believe in that, if you get a grasp of that, if you fully understand the covenant and you really celebrate the terms of that covenant and understand what's going on, because of the blood of the covenant of Jesus Christ, I will set the prisoners free. And folks, if you're in bondage today, if you're in sin, if you are in, 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 in uh, uh, if you are in uh, whatever, I don't care what it is, and you think there's no way out, because of the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son will set you free, and whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Amen. This covenant, in closing, is so far-reaching, it can bring you out of every place you are in, every troubled place. It brought me out in 1994. I was so walled in. I was so lost. 
I didn't think there was a way out. I didn't think anybody would have me now. I didn't think, but, but, but there was one who I believed in him. I believed in the terms of the new covenant. I believed in what his blood did. It had far reaching. Brad, you're far, but there's no pit so far that my love is not yet deeper. I can come and I can get you. I can rescue you. I can cleanse you. I can cover you. I can take care of this if you'll come to me. And all who come to me, I will in no wise cast out and folks I ran to him I ran to him and folks in the blood of the new covenant it sets you free it brings you out it sits you in heavenly places it can take away your sins it can impute to you a righteousness that comes from God and I'll tell you something it is legally blind binding it will stand up in the courtroom of heaven salvation is a forensic act by God God pays for your sin He pays for your sin. He doesn't say, come on the basis of what you are, Brad, and plead your case before me. No, the blood pays for your sin. And he doesn't say, he says, and I will put my righteousness in you. I'll put my righteousness in you. And and, and the implications of this is the cup in the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. And it's enormous. It's enormous. It's enormous. The law is dead. Newness of life is here. We're coming into a greater revelation of this. And the more you allow the Holy Spirit to bring you into a greater revelation of the new covenant, the more you are going to be free, the more you're going to be assured of your salvation the more liberating it's going to become. And, the, and you're going to know the reality of what happened at Calvary. And so you must allow this to apprehend your spirit. You must cry out to God and say, God, show me the covenant. Help me to understand the, the terms of the covenant. Help me to appreciate. Help me to have, have a revelation of just what took place in that upper room when this was enacted and what took place at Calvary and what took place in the death and the burial and the resurrection of, of your son and what takes place and the ramifications for me that the blood covers my sins and the cross deals with the old man. It deals with the sin nature. It puts to death Brad Lindsay. And it, and, and it brings newness of life through your son. And, and here's, here's the part for you today in closing. Unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom and he cannot see the covenant. Unless a man is born again. And so when you ask for forgiveness, then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit comes and your eyes are opened And the eyes of understanding become open and enlarged. And you become open to this revelation that is so amazing. This is the blood in the new covenant which is shed for you. For you. And I want you to go home this week and I want you to really just chew on that. This is the blood Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you shall have no part with me. We're going we're gonna to give a time real quick. Just if you need prayer or you want to draw nearer to the Savior today, you don't know him. Give you a time right now just to just to examine your heart and 
if there's sin in your life that's never been confessed or never been repented of, repentance is kind of a term to turn, to, to feel really great godly remorse over and, and, and to cause you to turn, to want to leave it. And, and so, if you want to know this Savior today, then just while we're quiet right now, just, just literally just ask Him to come. Just ask Him to come. The Bible says, as many as receive Him, to them He gave power to become the sons of God. Just do it the way I did it in an apartment back those years ago. God, I don't know what I'm doing right here. Don't even really know how to pray, but Lord, I know that I've done things that are displeasing to you and I've broken and transgressed your law. And I know that the, the payment and the penalty of that is death. But God, I've heard in your word and through preachers and various sources that God, I can be free from that. I can be forgiven from that. And the gift of God is eternal life. And I want that eternal life. I want forgiveness. I want my payment before the holy judge of the universe to be, to, be, to be taken care of. And so Jesus, would you come? Would you take my filth and my shame and my disgust and my sin and would you, would you, would you deal with this old man and would you, or old woman and would you make me a new creation in Christ Jesus? I don't fully understand all that, Lord. I don't understand what the full term of being born again. But God, would you come in and, and, and would you give me new life? Would you give me new birth? You said I can't come into the kingdom of God except I'm born again. Well, God, uh, cause that to happen in my life. I want to receive your son, Jesus, into my life. Come, come and save me. Come and record my name in the Lamb's Book of Life and give me this new life in Christ today. I want these new covenant promises. And so, Father, we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Hallelujah.